And now, returning a little bit to um, the, the theme of the first session today, but uh, with more of a research base with Professor Ian Paradis, who's Research Chair in Race Relations and uh, Deputy Director of Research at the Alfred Deakin Research Institute for Citizenship and Globalization at Deakin University, and conducts interdisciplinary research on health, social, and economic impacts of racism, particularly focused on Brazil, along, uh, across various sectors. Please welcome Ian Paradis. So yes, uh, we'll be talking about some other issues that have been um, very much exacerbated by neoliberalism. Um, racism, um, implicit racial bias in healthcare is what they asked me to talk about today. And what that means for you and what sort of research has been done on both the extent of that and how to address it um, in healthcare systems. Should be time at the end for questions um, in relation to my presentation as well. Okay, so I'll start by talking about what is racial bias um, anyway. Um, what does it mean for healthcare practice and disparities in healthcare? How much of a problem is it in the healthcare system? And what work has been done to try and uh, address racial bias and reduce it and um, break the link between those biases and um, the way that systems operate and the way that practitioners operate within the healthcare system. So implicit racial bias is a form of um, what sometimes people have called unconscious bias. We'll get to that briefly. Um, it's a kind of automatic um, reaction that people have to difference. In this case, uh, racial difference. So it's a form of, uh, in some people's eyes, it's a form of racism um, that happens within individual minds and worldviews. It's very much, of course, um, a product of our society that we live in and the histories of our societies uh, and the way that race has been um, considered and who is considered um, inferior and superior in societies based on their race, ethnic or cultural background. So it's not something that people are born with, but it is something that develops quite early on in an individual's life course. So studies in social psychology tell us, for example, that um, babies as young as six months of age uh, have different um, reaction times to people uh, based on their race. Not negative necessarily, but different levels of attention, which suggests that they are seeing difference. Uh, so implicit racial bias is the negative outcome of, of those societal norms and, and kind of exposures. And it means that you know, we may see a dark-skinned person and think of them as dangerous. We may, um, and we've seen uh, some of the concerns about um, reactions to black people among police in the US recently and um, for quite a long time. And, and people talk there about ideas of implicit bias. So it's something that's, um, as a research topic, has probably been studied the most in healthcare contexts, but uh, nonetheless has also been considered in legal uh, contexts with police and judges and other areas as well. Uh, so the way that, um, one of the reasons why this topic is so popular in recent decades is because um, there are ways to measure it. 
uh, now. So um, psychologists have uh, developed computer-based approaches to measuring it. Um, there's also, in healthcare contexts, approaches which involve hypothetical case studies or patients scenarios um, have been used a lot. Uh, for example, presenting uh, patient um, synopses, uh, which are the same except for the race of the patient involved, and asking doctors or nurses or other clinicians to describe how they would treat patients. And we find differences in recommended, recommended treatments due solely to the race of the patients involved, not the medical needs. Um, one of the most um, famous is the implicit association test, which is a computer-based program uh, that looks a bit like this. So you're presented with uh, either some words or some pictures, usually both at the same time, and you have to select with your left and right hand which has popped up on the screen. It's basically a test. What's come up? If this has come up, you press this button or you press that button. And what the test finds is that people are much better at quicker, when I say better, I mean quicker at associating positive words or concepts with, for example, white people. Um, they're also quite good at associating negative or bad concepts uh, with black people. So the, the people are the pictures that you see. And these tests um, have been used in many contexts um, for race, for gender, sexuality, um, almost hundreds of different concepts of social identities in society. And what it is just trying to assess is really um, how easy it is in your mind to associate different concepts. And the fact that you're better at doing that whiteness is, is, is associated with good things and blackness with bad things tells us something about this idea of implicit bias, and in this case, implicit racial bias. So there's a test, this is online if you haven't seen it before. Um, the Harvard website is probably the best place to go to look at the implicit association test. Just look up the, those words and you, it'll come up on Google. So one of the things people have then, that's the evidence, I guess, the measured evidence, uh, but people who then ask, well, what does that mean? What, what, is, that, what is this bias? Is it um, something that's unconscious? Is it something that's actually um, controllable in some way? Um, is it uh, affected by the context that people are in, the mood that they're in, what's happened to them before they arrived at the lab for testing or, or logged onto their computer? And so some people have said it's, it's unconscious and others have actually said, well, it's not really unconscious because there's no really such thing as unconscious from a social psychological perspective. But one of the, I guess, more interesting papers talks about um, reasons why we can consider it unconscious is because um, people are not thinking about the implications of their action when they make these differentials. Um, it's not about one's own views of, of, of your own racial attitudes. So people can have very positive racial views or racial attitudes, but they still have um, quite strong implicit biases. And yeah, the causes of it are not well known. That's another reason. We don't exactly know why some people have higher implicit biases than others when they're all from the same society and they may have quite similar backgrounds. Uh, so there's, that's in many ways why it's considered unconscious, even if it's not quite the right word to use. 
depending on your perspective on the matter. Um, and there's a lot of philosophy around it as well. So this guy's a philosopher. He wrote a paper, Am I a Racist? Implicit Bias and the Ascription of Racism, where he sort of said, well, and it, in the medical context, there's definitely a lot of uh, debate about whether terminology should be used, such as implicit bias or racism. Um, is it a sort of sweeping under the rug to not call it racism and not really facing up to it, or is it actually something that's a little different from racism? Um, it all depends on your definition of racism as well, of course. But this philosopher, in typical philosophical style, um, concluded that it is and it isn't racism. And that took a whole paper to figure out. But it is actually quite an interesting paper, so if you, if you, if you, if you have any um, more uh, urge to learn more about this, I would recommend having a look at it. So back in um, the early 2000s, there's a very famous report <coughs> called Unequal Treatment that really brought to light this idea of implicit bias in healthcare and um, by the Institute of Medicine in the US. And they had this graph which talked about what are the, the elements of healthcare inequalities, healthcare disparities. And they said one of them is clinical appropriateness and the need of and patient preferences. Um, another is the ecology of the healthcare system and environmental factors. And another one is discrimination, bias, stereotyping and uncertainty, clinical uncertainty, which um, has been talked about a lot but hasn't received a lot of research attention. Is this is the idea that um, even if you're not biased, implicitly or otherwise, even if you don't discriminate, even if you don't have stereotypes about black people, <coughs> for example, there's more clinical uncertainty around certain patients than others, and that's certainly the case when you bring in race. So um, clinicians seem unsure about treatments for black people more often than they are about white people. So it's part of that, that same sort of category. And so this unequal treatment report was very much focused on that idea of discrimination. Um, but acknowledging there are other reasons for differences between races, um, what they call minorities and non-minorities in this graph in the US. Some of the reasons are good, some of them um, uh, pertain to systems that could be better, but others are to do with things that are more problematic, such as discrimination and implicit bias. Um, and then from then that point, people started to do more work looking at um, what does implicit bias mean um, in terms of its impacts on clinical care? So uh, it leads to differences in communication, in uh, stress for patients, in, um, of course, decision-making that's made in clinical contexts, and how that flows on to racial disparities in systems which are then better off, or better at serving some patients than others. And then things got even more complicated. Um, people started really delving into the ins and outs of it and uh, we're not going to go into depth on this one but essentially there's a lot of thought that's gone into um, exactly how biases can affect both the recommendations in clinical settings and communication and um, levels of trust and mistrust, um, how well patients are satisfied with their experiences in healthcare systems and what quality of treatment they're getting. So there's lots of aspects to it. And um, we've just um, completed a meta-analysis looking at this sort of topics and, and found that the biggest impact seems to be um, on um, patients' experiences of, their, of, their, of the system that they're in. So 
when bias, racism of various kinds, not just implicit, is, is in a clinical encounter. They have very negative experiences of, of the encounter. But they don't necessarily stop going to hospitals or doctors. They still come back uh, because they need to. Um, they're not avoiding the healthcare system like they are in other places, like in other settings in life, in, in research, we find that um, people avoid things, uh, are very happy to avoid um, certain public places or what have you when they experience racism, but they don't feel they can do that in healthcare contexts for obvious reasons. So um, it's a place where in particular it's important um, to think about racism and implicit bias and what we can do about it. So um, yeah, it's some more work on racial bias. So there's been some recent reviews and, and so forth on the topic. And um, this one was about uh, a couple, few years ago now. And it found um, good evidence of low to moderate levels of implicit racial bias among healthcare professionals. These are, mostly these studies are from the US because that's where most of the research has been done. But the, while there was bias, the strength of relationship with health outcomes was, was weaker. So we often find this within the implicit bias literature that bias exists, but the way that it translates across um, from, a, from a view, from an association in the mind to behaviours is not so clear-cut. A lot of the time, um, behaviours are not impacted. So in this, in this review, about a third of, of, of associations were, I guess, there was a significant link between people's biases and their and their behaviours and health outcomes, but not um, not in most of the studies. So, but this makes a lot of sense when we get to the uh, ways of addressing it, because a lot of the time you don't try and um, remove implicit biases from your mind, but you try and break the link between that and how you would um, behave and interact with people. Oops, I've messed this up a little. Okay, so, um, yeah, and there was an even more recent review that came out this year that also found a pro-white racial bias among healthcare providers in most of the studies that they reviewed. Um, but once again, there was a sort of weaker evidence for the impact on health disparities in terms of recommended treatments, um, empathy, trust, and those sort of outcomes. So there was about half more in this study found a link between bias and healthcare outcomes, but still, once again, it's not overwhelming evidence. So there is, in a way, that's good news. It means it's not impacting necessarily on outcomes, but also there's ways of um, reducing that link further in the, in the cases where it does. Uh, this was just uh, an example from that Harvard website that I mentioned, Harvard Project Implicit. Um, <coughs> essentially just showed that, uh, look at, looked at people who completed that test, anyone can complete it who goes online, who um, said they were doctors or MDs in the US context. And um, what they found was that um, white, in this case male physicians, had strong pro-white preferences, but black physicians um, didn't seem to have any implicit bias, the ones who reported that they were such on this website. Um, and this is interesting because um, we don't always see this, but it has been found in other studies where um, I guess people from minority backgrounds who work in professional contexts can have um, little to no implicit bias, 
partly because of the, the position that they come from and I guess their experiences of that. Um, so yeah, it was found in legal context with judges as well. So there's more research to be done on on how implicit bias varies by your own background and characteristics, whether that's race or gender or class or a number of different things. It's a kind of early um, area of work at the moment. Okay, so what sort of impacts among the studies that have found them, which are a third to a half at this point, what have been the impacts of implicit bias? So we know um, it leads to poorer clinical decisions, so less appropriately, uh, less appropriate recommendations for treatment for patients from minority backgrounds. Certainly has an impact on communication and trust, um, effectiveness of patient-provider interactions are much reduced by implicit bias on the part of providers. And um, yeah, also there's, there's a sort of stereotype angle to it, so the, the sense that, for example, um, you know, black people may be drug seekers or um, um, be more likely to, uh, or less likely to benefit from um, certain um, recommended treatments because of their background or their situation. These sort of things come up a lot and impact also on how um, those patients are treated. So, what can we do about it? This is a, a interesting mini report from the Kerwin Institute, which talks about um, bias cleanse. It sounds a bit like a, some sort of um, beauty treatment, but it's actually about how do you, uh, how do you address um, implicit bias. And uh, there's a lot of ways to do that, and um, some of them uh, have been looked at in specifically in relation to healthcare context. So these reports, um, especially work by Diane Burgess, looks at addressing implicit bias in healthcare context. But broadly, it's the same thing no matter what um, area you're working in. So <coughs> first of all, of course, you need to learn about what it is. You then have to develop motivation to address it. Um, it's about, I guess, uh, seeing when it happens in terms of the, associ associate, uh, the link between thinking and action. That's an important part, uh, point at which to, to intervene. And broader ideas like um, increasing perspective taking, like thinking about the perspective of patients and empathising with them is important. Um, being aware of responses. A lot of implicit bias um, is driven by emotional responses, like gut reactions, uh, rather than you know, careful thinking. So there's important to engage with those. And um, yeah, just be aware of the history of racial bias and, and how um, patients themselves may be expecting or fearing or being anxious about certain um, treatments they have received in the past as well. There has been some studies on that too showing that um, that can be sort of a self-perpetuating um, prophecy in a way. When patients themselves kind of um, expect trouble, it, it can sometimes cause that in the patient-provider interactions as well. So there's some ideas um, and there's some work that's been done. So. Um, Patricia Devine is one of the earlier scholars looking at how to reduce implicit bias among her students, um, which are psychology students, and she had a program that involved um, 12 weeks of various activities, including things like these, um, being exposed to one's biases through doing things like implicit association tests, um, interaction with stereotype groups to break down stereotypes, uh, positive experiences with members of that group, 
reflecting on their own cultural knowledge and, and history. And um, uh, in a study I'll show you in a sec, there's also some work on mindfulness training and meditation as approaches to, I guess, um, getting in touch with these implicit uh, ideas in our minds. So there's a, there's a cycle that she's talked about here of um, denial of the problem all the way through to adaption, integration, acceptance and continued work to address it. It's, um, some of the earlier work in psychology was about trying to kind of um, <coughs> remove stereotypes from your mind, which um, not only didn't work very well, it actually backfired and made them stronger. So it's not about removal, it's about sort of living with some of these um, inheritances from our society and, and, and being able to still behave in fair and equitable ways in our work and otherwise despite some of these um, associations in our mind. So um, there's been some work on using the IAT, Implicit Association Test, as a teaching tool um, and I found that's been quite, quite, quite effective, especially for people who have strong biases. Um, it, it fosters motivation among them to do something about that. Um, and it comes down to yeah, the idea of teaching that it's not a personal failing of any kind to have biases. It's a, as I said, it's something that happens to a lot of us from our societies that we live in. And it's um, a sense of understanding those flaws in yourself and being motivated to counter them and address them and understand stereotypes and discrimination and how those are linked to implicit ideas. So that's just a few studies so far on teaching tool use, but it seems to be quite promising. Um, and this was a very interesting study um, by Michelle Van Ryan in the US with medical students. And um, they showed that this work on implicit uh, association in particular um, resulted in more confidence that, that the students had with African-American patients, the main minority in their, in their, in their practice. Um, so there was ways of, of using the IOT and talking about implicit bias that led to better outcomes longitudinally over time. But also they found um, some of the aspects of the, uh, of the training course um, exacerbated racism um, among these students. So um, they looked at both positive and negative factors and some of the negative ones were um, their teachers, their, their trained doctors talking to them and, and saying negative things about minority patients um, and unfavorable contact as well. So the idea that this comes from a whole different theory, but basically um, negative contact with certain, uh, with people from certain racial backgrounds has a stronger impact than positive contact. So it's important to kind of balance those out and um, I guess be aware that um, your biases will be exacerbated by negative um, contact, contact that wasn't, um, I guess, um, friendly. Um, but the, the, the positive side is therefore important to, to emphasise even more. And so, yeah, setting up situations where they can have more in-depth discussions and understanding of patients from minority backgrounds is important. And also with their colleagues as well. So some of the work was on um, their, their black colleagues who were teaching them and, and how they went with them as well. So this is one of the first kind of um, follow-up studies where, where students have followed up over time. But some positive uh, outcomes in terms of teaching and understanding bias, implicit bias in particular. And here's the, um, the most recent study um, by Diane on mindfulness. So um, she was looking at how that could help with implicit bias 
and um, yeah, found that it was quite useful. So it reduces activation of implicit biases and the link of those with behavioural responses. But also um, it draws on another uh, finding in the literature, which is that when people are stressed, when they have um, too much to do in their jobs, which I'm sure you might be, uh, have some experience of that, um, it makes it harder to control or to be aware of your implicit biases and how they may affect your behaviour. So basically what they call cognitive load, too much cognitive load, too much to think about, makes biases more dangerous. So part of the impact of this mindfulness work that she tried with people was actually just reducing their stress. And that in itself um, had a positive impact on um, controlling the uh, outcomes or the impacts of uh, implicit racial bias. So that's another, a, um, another approach. And also, she mentioned that it does um, provide another avenue to traditional kind of anti-racism training, for example, or cultural competency, cultural safety training, um, which, you know, works well in some cases, um, not all, but also um, is not always something that is, um, I guess, there's resistance to that training at times. And so different approaches like mindfulness and, and these um, implicit ideas can um, be better received by some participants in these programs. So I just wanted to, um, the last bit of the presentation, bring it a bit more uh, broadly, I guess. So just to emphasise that um, there is also explicit bias. There's implicit bias, which is unconscious in a way, and then there's our own explicit attitudes, what we would say our views are on race and, and race, racial difference and cultural difference. And they all are part of a system um, uh, racial systems in society that also have impacts beyond individuals. So explicit racial attitudes, implicit racial bias are all about individuals, but um, there's also systems to consider. So here's an example of what we call institutional racism, which interacts and feeds and helps to maintain things like implicit bias within individuals. So this was a study on um, nurses in the US and what it basically found is that um, there's a pay gap between nurses based on their race, whether they're white or black or Asian, makes a difference for how much they earn. And importantly, what they tried to do was explain the gap um, by things like their years of experience, their qualifications, the countries that they were educated in, their job roles, their um, amount of overtime that they worked, how stable their employment was, uh, and how long they'd worked in one place, and even whether they were members of uh, a union or not. And um, a lot of the gap in income remained unexplained after those factors were accounted for, especially for black nurses. Only 4% of the, the gap was explained by all of those factors. Um, it was reduced somewhat for Hispanic and, and Asian um, nurses, um, so the, the gap was smaller after those things were adjusted for. Which means a number of things. It means that um, people are getting paid differently based on their race. Um, it also means that they probably have different opportunities based on their race that bring in those other factors into play so that their opportunity for stability or experience and so forth may also be impacted by their race. So this is a, not an example about patients, but it's a broader example about... Um, how systems themselves 
need to be worked on. Alongside our own personal work with implicit bias, we have to think about how our, our institutions may be um, letting people down and how they could be improved as well. So another example, um, papers looking at how nurses should deal with patients. Personal racism is another one. So the idea that we have racism in systems that affect staff, that are um, from the systems. We have patients that may have be problematic as well. We have the way that patients interact with clinicians and communication and the treatment that they receive. So there's a lot of different angles to it and people are starting to look at these different aspects, which all need um, work, I would say. The problem is that the research base is not very good for this type of work. While, that, while implicit bias may be very popular, um, as certainly it's, it's um, of great interest in healthcare contexts and that's driving, driving a lot of work in other areas as well. We still don't know very much about systems. So um, if you look at all the racial disparities um, interventions that were published in papers over a 30-year period, we find that most of them are focused on patients or members of the community looking at how they could be changed so that as to reduce racial disparities. But in fact, a lot of the problems are, are more institutional, more systemic than that. So we find that only 3% of all those studies looked at organisations and only 0.1% looked at policies and practices within those organisations. So essentially, researchers like me need to do a lot more work um, looking at the broader environments and ecologies that racism thrives in, um, in institutions, and how those can be improved, rather than just looking at individual um, practitioners and their implicit bias, or individual patients, but also at the systems. So um, some work on that has been done by one of my colleagues, Naomi Priest, um, in the National Health Service in the UK. They're doing some interesting work with racial equality standards, so policy approaches they're trying to implement to improve their performance with different racial groups of patients and staff. And these are some of the things that came out of that work. Um, importance of leadership, of course, importance of simultaneous strategies, like I mentioned, looking at different forms of bias, the different levels of implementation, and, and the standards themselves, like the policy, the strong policy, um, anti-racist policy platform that can be used for advocacy within these organisations. That, that's performance-based, that's monitorable, um, it's really, it's very important. And there has been some work done. Um, so um, I know of work in Hunter, New England, where they've been working on um, a basically an anti-racism strategy for some years now, with lots of different aspects to it. It's Indigenous-focused in particular, but the principles are much more broadly applicable. Um, looking at policy and practice, looking at funding, um, links with communities, and I guess reflecting back views of communities on institutions in a transparent way, but also getting the right data to assess how different patients are treated in systems based on their racial or cultural background. Looking at patient journeys, how do patients of indigenous or Aboriginal background, how do they experience a journey through this particular uh, healthcare system compared to other patients? Is that, is that a journey that's fine or are there challenges that we can help address? So there's lots of work going on there and part of it is leadership um, among, um, among the, the very strong leadership among some of the senior executive 
and also engaging Indigenous staff members in the organisation and giving them power to help address these issues. Training and all that stuff is all part of that, but that's, it's more than training, it's more than cultural safety training. There's a whole sort of system behind it. So, um, just one more example. Um, the implicit bias stuff has been used in some work in New Zealand, which is very interesting, looking at decision-making among medical students, and that's an ongoing study on implicit bias that I think we could um, replicate in Australia uh, in some future work on the topic. And that's it for me. Thanks.